Hello, I'd like to welcome you to Move My Spirit podcast. My name is Reverend Eric McCracken, and today's teaching is going to be on communion. Uh, So this teaching that I'm actually going to be uh, recording for you right now was actually originally given by me on April 1st, 2020, uh, to give you a little bit of insight on things that were going there, uh, going on during that time, rather, is... uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, during that time, I felt that it was necessary for a body of believers to join together and to take communion. Uh, But that'll give you a little bit of background information on what the time was uh, during all of this. But the the point here is to to spread the news of communion. And and that's um, what we're going to do today by covering this. And I hope that you'll take something away from it. Uh, this is going to be a resource tool for uh, future events. That way, if anyone missed the original teaching, they can come back and get the recording of it. So I'm going to open with a word of prayer, if you would pray with me, and then we will begin uh, the teaching. So Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask your blessing upon those who would hear this message. I ask your blessing, Lord, that, that they would take and receive these words, take them to heart, Lord God, really Uh, nourish their spirits with them, Father. Lord God, that that in this, you alone would be glorified. I ask that you would anoint my lips and my heart as I begin to uh, bring back this word which you laid on my heart a few weeks ago. Lord God, that that you alone again would be glorified, for this is all that we serve. This This is why we serve you, Lord. This is our purpose in life. This is why you made us, is to bring you glory and to serve you. So, Father, be glorified. We, bl- we praise you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name, God's children said, Amen. If you uh, choose to, use your Bible as you listen into this. That is great. If not, if you're uh, listening on the go, that's fine too. We are going to cover a little bit of scripture, and I'm going to begin with Psalm chapter 91. Uh, for the sake of understanding and ease of reading, I will be using the New International Version, and Psalm 91 reads this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. 
with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This again was Psalm chapter 91. Beautiful thing here is when you get down to verse 14, it says this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Part of what we do when we take communion is that we remember the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're told to do. Uh, Oftentimes, it's been my experience that believers see communion sort of as a ritual. But I want to help shift your mindset from that so that you recognize that communion is not just a ritual, but rather that it is a blessing to receive. Okay? We remember what Christ did for us. And so he's given us this blessing that we can receive. I read a book by Joseph Prince, and he made this statement. Communion adds years to our lives and life to our years. And that book, in case you want to read it, is Health and Wholeness Through Holy Communion. Excellent book, excellent resource, and you really do learn a lot from it. If you haven't taken the time to study communion, I would urge you to do that. And um, take this as step one. The next scripture that I'm going to take you to, and I'm going to pick it apart a little bit so that I can help you come to an understanding, uh, is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 23 through 30. Now, the reason that uh, this this is one of the scriptures that's frequently used in churches uh, whenever we observe communion and receive the blessings thereof. But what I want to do is I want to take this scripture apart and show you that there's no reason to be afraid of taking communion because for a lot of people, um, and we'll get deeper into this here in just a few minutes, but a lot of people struggle with the self-examination and the unworthy manner that the Bible talks about. So let's read the scripture and then let's take that all apart and kind of define it a little bit. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30. And it reads, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. So when we hear this scripture from the pulpit, and we're sitting in the pews with the emblems in our hand, it it really becomes very difficult for us to want to eat the bread and drink the cup because we don't want to drink or eat condemnation on ourselves, naturally. Uh, We don't want to accidentally partake in an unworthy manner. 
But what I want to show you today is that the unworthy manner is actually defined in scripture. We just have to recognize its definition. So oftentimes the believers who are taking communion beat themselves up a little bit because they sinned in the past week or so and they don't want to take communion because they haven't had the chance to repent of the sin. Now, if you are living a lifestyle of sin, I strongly urge you that you should repent because that is uh, absolutely what you need to do. You need to repent, you need to make things right with God, and you need to uh, start walking his path. However, the unworthy manner is not sinfulness. The unworthy manner, which is discussed in this scripture, is defined in verse 29, where uh, he says, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So the unworthy manner is not taking the time to discern the body of Christ. What does that mean? How do you discern the body of Christ? Well, that means uh, if, if you take the emblems of communion, the piece of bread and the grape juice, and you just chew it up and swallow it, and it was just a piece of bread and just a sip of grape juice, you did something wrong. Uh, it, it's not supposed to be just a quick piece of bread and a quick sip of juice. You should take time when you're taking communion and, you know, savor the piece of bread. Remember what the Lord did for you. Um, there's, we're going to get further into this in just a few minutes, but the body of Christ was broken for you. So take time and remember, I mean thoroughly remember the sacrifice that he made so that you can properly discern the body of Christ. Um, now self-examination there, which is talked about in this passage of scripture, is not, again, digging through your past going, oh no, oh no, oh no, where have I sinned in the past three weeks since the last time we took communion? Uh, did I make sure that I confessed all of my sins? Am I in right standing with God? Am I in right standing with others? It's not really, a, it's not about that. The self-examination is examining the condition of your heart, making sure that you are discerning his sacrifice for your healing. Now, communion is a twofold application. What do I mean by that? You have two emblems. So you have the cup and you have the bread. The cup, which represents the blood or the new covenant in Christ's blood, is for the forgiveness of sins. The body, which is represented, I'm sorry, for the, um, in the bread, is for our healing. And if you haven't uh, taken the time to read through the full story of the crucifixion of Jesus, I would urge you to do that just so that you really get a grasp on what he truly did for you. And sometimes, even if you have read it and it's just been a while, sometimes it's good for us to go back and just sink it in. Uh, really just read it over again and let your spirit take it in and, and remember. There's that word again. Just remember what he really did for us. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good way just to keep your spirit on track. So there's the twofold application, forgiveness and healing. Uh, I'm going to take you now to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. 
chapter 26, if you will. And we're going to read verses 17 through 29. So this is the Last Supper. Um, and, and, and we're going to read this because it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, now, if you think back to April 2020, April 1st is just the week before Easter. Um, right? Let me look at the calendar. Two weeks before Easter, I apologize. Um, so it, it's two weeks before Easter. Um, and, and so that's part of why we did it when we did it. Uh, because I would later go further into the crucifixion story and the Easter story as we know it. But uh, we're going to read Matthew 26, 17 through 29. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Why is this important? So uh, if you're used to hearing me preach, whenever I serve communion, I don't typically go the 1 Corinthians route. I almost always use this passage from Matthew. And here's why. At the end of that passage, in verse 29, Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to pass this cup around the table but he's not going to drink it once they've all had their sip. Now that's greatly significant. And you have to understand just a little bit about the Jewish culture in order to catch the significance of that. And here's what that is. At the time of a Jewish marriage proposal, uh, what would happen is the couple who is getting engaged is going to come and they're going to come together and the man is going to have a cup in his hand and he will extend it to his bride or bride-to-be rather and if she accepts his marriage proposal 
She will take a sip from the cup and hand it back to him. And when he drinks from the cup, that solidifies that they are now um, to be wed, that they are betrothed. And so what happened around this table is Jesus made a marriage proposal and he passed this cup to the disciples and they each took their sip. But when it came back to him, he said, I will not drink it until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now, I want to make this point perfectly clear. Had Jesus taken that cup when it had gone through all of the disciples and drank from it, those 12 would have been the bride of Christ and no one else. Do you see? Jesus knew that and Jesus waited for you. Let that sink in. Jesus waited for you to take the sip from that cup so that you could be the bride of Christ. That There's a marriage proposal inside of communion. And not a lot of people catch that. But so important, so, so important that you would really get a grasp on that. And, and I don't expect that to be something that you're going to allow to sink in in the next five to ten minutes. I expect that it's going to take a while. You're going to have to sit in God's presence and really let that absorb into you, really absorb it into your spirit. Because that's, well, think about it. A, a, a physical engagement for marriage is not a light decision. Uh, when when I proposed to my wife, we had uh, been dating for five years. We had uh, talked with one another about, you know, should we get married and how things would go. Did, did we think that we were compatible? And, you know, that was that was five years of dating that led to the decision that, yes, we want to be married. And once we were engaged, it was two years of uh, togetherness and planning for the big wedding day. And, and so we were together seven years as a whole before we uh, said our wedding vows and were wed. But but that's that's to say that it's not something that's taken lightly. Uh, you think about something that takes five years, and I'm asking you to just start to get a grip on the fact that Jesus wanted you to be his bride. Think about that. Now, the emblems. Often, we use unleavened bread whenever we take communion. Now, that's not every time. Uh, but oftentimes churches will use unleavened bread. And there is a little bit of background to that. And if your church uses regular bread, this is not to condemn them by any means. Uh, just a little bit of unique information for you, I guess. So in the Bible, oftentimes when uh, they're talking about bread and they talk about leaven, think about the scripture that says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's actually talking about sinful nature. And so in the Bible, leaven is equivalent to sin. Now, when you think about that and you think about using bread as a representation of the body of Christ, you have to remember that Jesus was sinless. Okay, so 
Jesus then was without the parallel that we would call leaven. Now this unleavened bread, whenever it's prepared for communion, is baked, it's pierced, and it's striped. And you think about what happened during the crucifixion. Jesus, as the sinless being, because he was both fully God and fully man, and he was he was without sin, and that was how he went and became the atoning sacrifice for us, he was crucified. They striped his back with a whip, just as we sear the bread so that it is striped. They pierced his side, and we pierced the bread with baking holes. So that's a little bit of background information on on the unleavened bread and, and why we use that. It's to represent the sinlessness. So I want you to think about his blood poured out for you. Say that out loud. His blood was poured out for me. And his blood was poured out for forgiveness. And when Jesus was crucified and poured out his blood, he showed great, great, great mercy and grace to us. I mean great mercy and grace to us. His body was broken for us. Why? So that we could be healed. Jesus Christ died so that, so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could walk in divine health and in healing and in wholeness, protection, divinely. That's, that's the whole reason for all of this. All right, so uh, if you want to take communion, I'm going to give you just a minute um, to go up, to, to get up and to get your bread and your cup ready. And, and if you don't choose to take communion during this, if you just want to stick for the teaching, that's fine. But for those of you who are hearing it and you're really... Uh, burning in your spirit and and it's yes the lord's pushing me to take communion and i want to do it that's great get up get your bread and your juice and uh, keep listening as as you go or hit pause and go get it and come back but here's what i do that's a little bit different than other preachers um if if we were face to face i would ask you to come forward and i would have the emblems Uh, before me and here's what we would do I would look you in the eyes and call you by name for this purpose since I cannot see you I am going to call you by the uh, global name which I'm just going to call you church because you are the church Uh, if you go and do a little Greek word study and you look at the word ekklesia that means that We, as the body of believers, are the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so in this uh, charge where I'm about to uh, ask you if you are so compelled to take communion, you're going to be referred to as the church, all right? So with the uh, emblems in your hand, I want you to receive this charge. Church. 
Do you accept the marriage proposal of Jesus Christ to be his bride and proclaim his death until he comes? If so, please say, I do. Now with the bread, take it in your hands and hear Jesus say, this is my body. Okay. Did you hear him say, this is my body? Now break the bread. And as you break the bread, I want you to proclaim this over yourself. So repeat after me, Lord, as I discern your body, I proclaim your wholeness, protection, and healing over my body, my spouse's body, and the bodies of my children. Before you partake of that bread, let's bless it together. Father, we thank you that that you have broken your body for us. We thank you, Lord God, for your atoning sacrifice, that, that you would give your son to die for me. Father, we praise you because we recognize and receive the blessing that is in communion, that is in the remembrance of the death of Jesus Christ. We ask your blessing upon these emblems. We ask, Lord God, that in this moment as we partake, that you alone would cause us to discern, truly discern, the body of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and praise you. Amen. Partake of that piece of bread. Now with the cup in your hand, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the blood of of Jesus Christ, which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So I want you to just take a moment wherever you're at and praise God. I don't care if you start to clap your hands and shout your praises and say, yes, 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 my God is wonderful, my God is mighty, my God is King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't care how you do it, but I want you to verbally, actively, actively praise God for the new covenant in his blood. Okay? I want you to actively give God praise because he forgave you by sending Jesus Christ to the cross. Praise your God. Hallelujah. Now, with that cup in your hand, I want you to say, Father, I thank you and I praise you. I ask you now to bless this cup that represents the blood poured out for me. I receive your forgiveness, which you have blessed me with. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen and partake of your cup. 
I'm going to close with a passage from Revelation 22. But first, I want to thank you for tuning into this. I want to thank you for listening. And I hope that you have truly been blessed by uh, this teaching on communion. And I really pray that, that this would change your outlook. That if you were once scared of taking communion because you didn't want to drink condemnation on yourself, that, that you would now have the comforted outlook. That, that you would have a better understanding of, of, of what God means when he says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Let's close with Revelation 22, chapter, uh, verses, excuse me, 12 through 21, and then I'll end with prayer. It reads, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Let me bless you in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that these words which have been imparted would would comfort and reassure my brothers and sisters and convict the sinners. Father, that, that each person who will receive this word will take it, learn from it, and come deeper to a place with you. That they will delve into your goodness, that they will step into your presence each time that communion is offered, Father, that they would even recognize that communion is is just a one-on-one relationship with you, that, that they don't have to be in the church building to take communion, but Father, that when you call them and say, and say, remember my sacrifice, that they would come to your throne room with the bread and the crust the bread in the cup and that they would uh, give you praise and glory and, and remember your sacrifice. Father, I pray your immense blessing on each person that listens, that, that they would come to know you deeper and truer, just as you know each one of us by the number of hair on our heads. You know every star in the sky. We give you praise, honor, and glory in the name of Christ Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. 
and amen. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Move My Spirit. I pray that you've been blessed and I pray that God continues to bless you. Uh, You will uh, certainly uh, see more of these kinds of teachings coming in the following weeks and I uh, hope that you will tune back in for those. But until next time, shalom.